welcome to the Arkansas Post, a podcast about Arkansas for people that love Arkansas. On this episode, we talk about Crooked Creek, and we interview Marilyn Duran, who manages the Fred Berry Center. And if you enjoy the show, we hope you'll rate us five stars on Apple iTunes. Uh, today we've got Marilyn Duran from the Fred Berry Conservation Education Center. She is the facility manager. Uh, they're located in uh, Yellville. Marilyn, how, how long have you worked at the Fred Berry Center? I've been here since the day we opened, actually since before we opened, uh, and that was in 2005. I began in March of that year, and we uh, held our dedication in June of that year. Yeah, and the Fredbury Center is located uh, near Yellville, uh, right on the banks of Crooked Creek. Yes, we are. Um, some people are familiar with Kelly Slab access on Crooked Creek, which is just about a mile off of Highway 62-412, um, and we are adjacent to that slab. Once you get onto that road, uh, just look up the hill, and there's our building. Yeah, excellent. And uh, yeah, before we started the show, you were telling me that you guys have, have just reopened after being closed because of uh, COVID-19. Right. We closed in mid-March uh, because of COVID-19. Um, we have the education division of Arkansas Game and Fish uh, has been busy trying to produce video uh, programs uh, online for, for people to continue learning about conservation and, and about outdoor activities and in fact, we launched on our AGFC website a virtual nature center uh, with many of those videos featured on that. So uh, if your listeners get a chance to visit that, the virtual nature center, it can be found at agfc.com. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us have extra time on our hands. Uh, so that <laughs> probably looking for some new content. <laughs> right. Point, and there's so. still people working with groups of youth and so forth. They're looking for things to do with them. And hopefully those those videos can can help direct them. Yeah. And I, I understand from looking at the website that uh, now that you guys are open, uh, you have a, a large pavilion that actually overlooks Crooked Creek that maybe could accommodate some, some group. Are you taking group activities at this point or is it? We are, we are not really doing large groups right now. Um, we hope to start doing some outdoor programming for small groups. Um, actually, typically during the summer, we offer a summer program series for kids. That's very popular. And one of those uh, programs, regular programs is fishing Friday. Uh, and I know that our area uh, children have missed that. We hope to start some fishing fun days, maybe not just on Fridays, but some fishing fun days where we are out at the pond and helping kids with catfishing, but on a smaller scale. It will be by pre-registration so we can um, control the numbers easily uh, and provide for social distancing. I've been doing a lot of extra fishing uh, during COVID, <laughs> so it's been one of the only bright sides. Um <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the facilities at Fred Berry. What, what do you guys offer? Okay. Uh, since our closing for COVID, we've still offered up the, the uh, property for people to use and enjoy being outdoors. Uh, this center is located on 421 acres, and it sits in a big bend, almost a horseshoe. It's like an elongated horseshoe on Crooked Creek, and it's about 
uh, in total about two and three quarters of a mile of creek front here. Um, we have a variety of different types of habitat. Um, we have uh, designed and created a trail system that encompasses between five and six miles in all of interconnected trails. Uh, we do have a trail guide, a brochure on our website that can be found or a published brochure that we can give you if you visit the center. Um, so a lot of people have been using the trails. Uh, they were popular already, but I noticed that people just want to get outdoors during all of this. They need to do something, and, and I think they're rediscovering the outdoors. We also have a 3D archery range, and it's completely free for the public to use. There are 12 lanes there. Um, all a, a visitor has to do is just let us know they are on site uh, and that they'd like to use the range. And if they don't know where it is, we can direct them to it. Um, we have a couple of places where people can easily access the creek to go fishing or for other recreation purposes. Um, during normal times, we offer programs, regular programs for groups, uh, school groups and so forth. Um, sometimes public groups that we advertise on our Facebook page or on our website uh, that people can sign up for and come enjoy. Uh, the uh, pavilion you mentioned is often reserved by groups like Boy Scouts uh, or Girl Scouts or um, 4-H kids or other groups that want to come out and do some camping and learning about outdoors. And sometimes we offer programs uh, with those as well. Um, but even though some of that is kind of uh, limited at this time, uh, the, the trails are still open. We simply ask that people are conscious of distancing along those trails. Uh, we keep a checklist of birds that have been sighted on the property. And I'm not sure of the exact number right now, but it's approximately 140 different species that have been identified here. Uh, one species, the, the prairie falcon, was sighted and photographed here just this summer, and that was a first for us. It's uh, not really typically found in this range. Uh, and so we have some interesting birds on our list. People like to come here and see the painted bunting because it's, it's in our area, but it's not a real common bird for our area. And so um, there's wildlife watching, there's the hiking, there's the fishing access, there's the archery ranges. Um, our education building is now open for visitors to walk in. Our building um, was never designed as a visitor center per se, but we do have a classroom that, that many people find interesting or where they can stop by and just visit with us and get more information about the facility or the area. Uh, and the classroom is now open. We ask that people are conscious of distancing and that they wear a mask when they come indoors. If they don't have one, we can provide one. Um, but those are some of the things that they can continue to do and hopefully will continue to do uh, during this pandemic. Yeah, what an excellent resource and destination, uh, you know, for visitors uh, in the state and outside the state to take advantage of. And I, I noticed on the 3D archery, when you say 3D archery, we're talking about uh, kind of like the, the the targets are 3D. They're, they're the deer right. or the, right. the uh, Correct. hogs. Uh, <laughs> we have, yeah, <laughs> targeting, I think, you know, we have, um, I don't know what all we have out there right now. We change those out sometimes, but uh, we have bear and, and things like that. Yeah, that's fun. We have on one of the stands, there is an elevated 
uh, platform to shoot from. And uh, it's a pretty nice little range. We're pretty proud of it. That's yeah, that's wonderful. I've I've uh, I'm also uh, when I'm not doing uh, Arkansas podcasts, I do enjoy my bird watching a little bit. So it's something I've tried to get into. And I was looking through that list; it's very comprehensive. That's <laughs> that's amazing that you have so many species. Well, um, there's lots of areas saw... have lots of species, but uh, uh, it's just a matter of tracking them and keeping up with them. We actually have. We did some habitat work here on some of the upland areas up on top of the hill. This was an old dairy farm uh, when we, when Gabby Fish acquired it. Uh, and we have converted through a grant we received from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service called Partners for Fish and Wildlife. And um, some of that property was converted into um, native warm season grasses and forbs. And the local uh, master naturalist group has... Uh, performed uh, bird counts for us regularly since the season before we began that work, uh, which was in 2013 is when they first started that. And they've been doing at least three bird counts a year for us since then. So they've helped us grow that list a bit. Um, I will mention that this property is owned by the Arkansas Game and Fish Foundation uh, and operated by the Game and Fish Commission. Uh, we acquired the land when actually our neighbor, Fred Berry, made a very generous donation uh, back in about 2002 or 2003. And then the foundation uh, was able to acquire the property and begin the development of an education center. Yeah. So Fred was, I take it, a bit of a conservationist himself. Yeah. Yes, he is. He is a, a retired um school teacher. He taught college classes and he was an elementary school counselor. Uh, and he has a heart for children and for conservation. And uh, he just wants to leave a legacy to both of those, to, to both kids and, and conservation. And uh, this, is, this is the way he saw fit to do that. And, and uh, of course, we're thankful that he did. Well, that's wonderful. And you couldn't be in a better spot. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, you're, you're right there, uh, on the crooked Creek at Kelly slab. And, you know, this, this show is actually going to be mostly about crooked Creek. I wonder if we could talk about that a little bit, uh, understand Certainly that you've, we can. Yes. Uh, lived in Yellville for a long time. And of course now I've, have been the facility manager, uh, on the Creek. And, uh, you know, the thing that, uh, stood out to me is uh, as someone who loves to fish is just the amazing uh, smallmouth bass fishing that it's known for. Yes, it has been known for that for really as long as I can remember. And I'm not exactly a young woman anymore. I did <laughs> grow up in Marion on the White River, actually, but the, the Crooked Creek and the Buffalo River and the White River and the lakes in our area have been um, a part of my life my entire life. Um, I remember uh, all the old people that lived in the area, the natives, talking about the fish they used to catch in Crooked Creek. So it's always been, it was important to the locals um, as a food source for, for the longest time. And then more now for recreation than for food, I suppose. But um, it's always been a, a hot spot for fishing and a favorite of the people in our area. Crooked Creek, um, you probably know, heads up in Newton County, actually, in the northern, very northern part of Newton County. 
uh, and it flows northward for a bit up into Boone County and cuts across the southeast corner of Boone. And then it winds its way all the way across eastward, across Marion County, until it reaches uh, the confluence there at the White River, uh, just a few miles downstream from Cotter. It's about um, 80, it's a little over, it's between 80 and 90 miles long, about 88 miles long. For those that haven't uh, seen it on a map, the reason it's called the Crooked Creek is it is about as a, you know a squiggly line uh, as a creek can get. <laughs> it's it pretty, is pretty. It becomes squiggly. immediately obvious. And the, you know that's one thing that keeps it so interesting for floating. It's a beautiful float. Um, you know, lots of people have floated the Buffalo River, and thankfully that was uh, made into a national river and probably saved from being dammed up um, because of that. But uh, Crooked Creek is similar in lots of ways to the appearance of the buffalo. It is not nearly as long. It's not quite as big, but it, it's, it's that type of stream. It's free-flowing. It's warm water. Uh, it's very diverse in the species that live there. Um, the land along the Crooked Creek is almost entirely privately owned land. There are a few public access areas, which I'm sure we'll be going over in just a little while. Um, but mostly it's private land. So when you float it, you have to keep that in mind and respect the landowners uh, largely, uh, well, just out of respect and also to preserve our, our opportunity to get to use this creek in these ways. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and as you mentioned, if someone wanted to float it, um, I believe it was Game and Fish that uh, put together this water trail system. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Sure, I do. We always uh, chuckle a little to ourselves about water trails. You don't really have to do much to create a water trail. It's unlike the terrestrial. (laughs) We have to get out there and bushwhack a little bit to make a spot for one. Uh, The water trail is there and uh, you get on it and you're going to go downstream in the case of a flowing stream like Crooked Creek. Uh, But what this water trail has done What's designated on our maps is a 22-mile section, uh, and on the ups, it begins upstream uh, at Payette, uh, and there's a, a small primitive uh, launch there, but it really begins with the lower Payette access, uh, which is very close to U.S. Highway 62412. Um, and then it continues down to uh, the next access is Snow, and then the next one would be the Mark Oliver access was just uh, actually opened up in 2017. Um, and then Kelly Slab, and then it ends at Yaleville. Now the creek naturally doesn't end, it continues on, but in the driest months it, during times of drought, uh, often the, the creek is dry below Yaleville, even a little above Yaleville, it will dry up. Uh, and you and I had had a conversation previously about this. Uh, the creek just seemed to disappear. Uh, there would still be water beyond Kelly's slab a bit, even in the very dry months, albeit very low. Um, but it would just disappear below that. And you would just have the, the uh, gravel bed visible. And so several years ago, biologists, uh, in, they put down some dye to see in the water to see where it might come out. They were hoping that it would come up somewhere and they would know where that water goes. Well, they discovered that it 
come came out, at least some of the dye came out at Big Spring in Cotter. The interesting thing about that is that is across the river, across White River, from where they injected the dye. So it's obviously going into underground water systems uh, and comes out, in, at least in one instance, there at Big Spring. So um, it, it's a complicated waterway. Uh, but in, in it is when there's plenty of water. Got, Crooked Creek has a lot of personality. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. It, it's not exactly typical. Float trips, obviously, uh, you know, great exercise uh, to go out and, and and do. Is there much by way of camping though? I think I read that maybe there is one camping spot at the snow access, but I'm not sure. Okay, camping that. is rather limited because it is private land um, along the way. There is a spotted snow at the snow access. Um, there's no one to call for reservations. It's just a first come, first serve. It's a relatively small area um, because it's largely wooded around there. Um, but you could, there's room to put up oh, a couple of tents there easily enough and build a campfire. And of course, you're expected to leave no trace, um, but it's limited to one night only. Uh, beyond that, there is another spot that you'll see on our water trail map uh, called Brookshire. Uh, and Brookshire is not, there's not a sign to show you where that is. And the reason is you just can't put signs along Crooked Creek and expect them to stay there because it is free flowing and occasionally is a raging flooded waterway and it would wash away any sign every few years. <laughs> so at Brookshire, the best way to recognize where to camp there, Brookshire is a, a plot of land that's owned by the Nature Conservancy. And there is a railroad track that crosses there. The bridge is called a trestle. And just before you reach that trestle is the Brookshire property. The challenge there is the best gravel bar for camping there. Uh, you come upon before you can actually even see the trestle. So if someone is planning to camp there, they would need to do their homework a little bit, look at the map, uh, maybe look at some expanded views of the map online so they'll recognize some of the features if they use the satellite view. Um, and then we actually worked on creating uh, a, a sort of a zoomed-in version with uh, GPS coordinates of where that big gravel bar actually is. So if somebody was going to try to uh, find that spot and make sure they got on the right piece of property, uh, they could give us a call and we could give them a little guidance on that. Uh, the other place to camp... Sounds like an adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be. <laughs> and if you go past it, uh, I'm not sure what you do then. <laughs> But uh, the other place to camp would be here at the Fred Berry Center. Now, the trick there is it's there's not road access in and out at night. This property is, is gated and locked when we're closed. Uh, and so if you were to camp there, uh, you would be coming down the creek and just stop overnight. Again, leave no trace, one night only. But you would need to also call ahead uh, and and get permission to do that. Uh, sometimes we have programs going on that might conflict with someone else being there, 
and so forth. So you would need to sort of clear that with us before you did that. Uh, it's not commonly done. And I think the biggest reason is it's just about a mile and a half upstream from Kelly's slab where many people are going to be taking out anyway. Uh, um, I, and I did want to ask you if, uh, so if you're planning to float as maybe part of a camping trip, uh, there is a water gauge, uh, I think at, is it at Kelly's slab? Is that it's right? at Kelly's slab and it's maintained by the U.S. Geological Survey. Uh, and you can check that gauge by going online, USGS. And usually I just put in USGS water level at Kelly's slab. In the, in the search engine and it pops up. Um, and, you, and the, the advisement to kind of 12 feet or higher? Or? Yeah, the yeah. top of the slab is at 12.3 on that gauge. And um, like 12 to 12.5 is really ideal. Uh, 11 is floatable and probably still enjoyable. Uh, when you get start getting much below 11, you're going to be um, portaging your your vessel, some, your canoe or your kayak. Uh, there'll be shoals, riffles where you'll have to get out and pick up your canoe and move it downstream. Um, it's still good fishing at that point. Like today, I checked the level and it was a little over 10 and a half, which uh, there would be quite a bit of dragging. Uh, and the higher up the creek, like at Payette, it would probably be miserable but if you put in at mark oliver and came down it there would still be a lot of portaging uh, but if you were there to fish and you plan to get out and do some wade fishing along the way anyway uh, it might not be too bad but if you're just there for a float it, it's pretty low today I, if i was just going floating i wouldn't float it today because it's so low well marilyn what's your favorite uh uh, lure to tie on uh, for smallmouth. You know, you? the truth is um, I've probably fished with live minnows more than anything else, but uh, there are <laughs> a lot of different lures that, that work pretty well. And it's actually a pretty popular place for fly fishing these days. There are a lot of people who have picked up on uh, fly fishing for smallmouth and have really enjoyed that. Uh, and uh, I know several um, people who tie things that look like uh, little crawdads and and uh, some some that look like minnows, but just the old standby woolly bugger works pretty well as well. Yeah, my co-host uh, Joey was not able to to join today, but uh, we're we're planning on fishing at Crooked Creek this weekend, and uh, he's a bit of a fly fisher, so I'm sure he'll try a woolly bugger or two this weekend. I'm I, however, am gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try get out my uh, spinning rod and. Maybe put on a, a whopper plopper if you know what those are. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> well, and I will mention here at the Fred Berry Center, if on the days that we're open, and currently our new COVID hours are Wednesday through Saturday, uh, we're actually here on Tuesdays as well. Um, that those days are, are for now dedicated to massive cleaning projects. But um, if you come in. When our gate is open, if you'll come up to the building and check in with us and we give you permission to drive up to the access at what we call the point. It's at the north end of the property. And you could see that on our trail guide map, I think, clearly. Uh, that's a popular place for local people to come in and park and then get out and, and wade fish. And uh, right now is a really good time, I think, to do some of that because the water is low. 
Well, that's great. Well, anything, uh, any other insights or th- maybe something people don't know about Crooked Creek or, or the center of the history? Well, the history was pretty interesting and and, uh, rather controversial, and I don't know how familiar you are with its past, but it it was at one time heavily gravel mined in uh, like the 60s and the 70s and into the 80s, and then um, there was some research done, I think several people realized that that probably wasn't gravel mining right out of the current, the creek bed. Uh, was probably not an environmentally sound thing to be doing uh, for the fishery. Um, and so people began to try to organize and move toward limiting or you know, prohibiting gravel mining along the creek. And, and it was a pretty heated battle for several years. In, uh, uh, in the 90s, finally, in about 1996, I think, restrictions were, were placed on in-stream gravel mining. Um, but it, there's some pretty heated political battles went on to get to that point. Um, but what happens is when they mine for gravel in the stream, within the stream bed, and disturbs all of that sediment, the sediment is carried downstream and then later settles out. Uh, and then that is bad for the, uh, the wildlife there. And I mean, like the bottom of the food chain type wildlife, the organisms that live in the substrate um, they, they're just smothered out by that and if we lose those then of course we're losing major food source for the larger organisms and uh, it's just terribly detrimental to the stream so uh, if we want to preserve the fishery uh, and as an ecological area then then gravel mining is not a good thing to do yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I just I guess one question for me, and then one question for my co-host that's not here. So he's become uh, he's discovered the pawpaw fruit. I don't I don't know if you've heard of that, but he's become <laughs> yes. a little obsessed with obsessed with. Well, we do have a pretty good pawpaw thicket on our most popular trail here, and most easily accessible is uh, the Woodland Edge Trail, and uh, you'll. You can access it from the Kelly Slab parking lot, and uh, you'll find along that trail quite a stretch of pawpaw trees along the way. And uh, the pawpaw fruit there, it's difficult to get that because the wildlife usually get there first. It's a favorite for raccoons and possums and just about everything that's out there loves to get hold of the pawpaw. I bet. It sounds really good. We'll have to we'll have to see if we have any luck with that. And then a question for me is: um, Do you guys have any uh, like uh, darter type fish in Crooked Creek that you've we seen? We do, and um, I'm sorry that I can't tell you exactly how many species right off the top of my head. Uh, but there are there is actually a fish list online uh, of a paper that was written and published, I think, in about 2011. Um, I can't remember the name of that paper, but it lists all of the fish species in Crooked Creek, and it was the culmination of several years of data collection. And I think the final list was about 65 different species out of 10 different families, and there are several different uh, darter species there. And, you know, common to see. You can see a lot of darters if you're out there waiting Well, Marilyn, you've uh, just been so gracious with your time and and so informative, too. Thank you for everything you do at the Fred Berry Center, and thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about what I know. And now Joey and I discuss our first float on Crooked Creek. Well, let's talk about let's talk about our float. Yeah, we can do that. I know that I haven't quite cracked the code on smallmouth bass on Crooked Creek. That is, I don't think I have either. I'm wondering. Okay, so it was a hot day, right? Number one, um, we were on there relatively early. I mean, we got on the water about eight thirty, eight forty-five in the morning. So it wasn't like we were just out there in the middle of the afternoon. It was definitely the weather. It was definitely it had nothing to do with us or fishing abilities. It had everything to do with the weather, a hundred percent. Yeah, I I just wonder, you know, this late in the season, it certainly the heat played a factor. We're probably on the most popular stretch, which is from Mark Mark Oliver to Kelly Slab, uh, which is absolutely beautiful. But I wonder how tired those fish are. Um, now, it was pretty shallow in most spots. And then there were some deep pools and some deep sides at, at points. But I just wonder, you know, you've got to believe people are fishing the heck out of that stretch. But... It could, you know, it could have just been the weather. It could have been the tackle we were using. Uh, we were using whopper ploppers, which is a top water, which we did catch some fish on. And then we also used <clears throat> some submerged jerk bait uh, and then some Ned rigs. Right. Which we did catch them on Ned rigs too. Right. And so I was also on the fly rod a little bit. I was using just a popper on the fly rod and they were not taking anything at least we felt like they weren't taking anything on the top of the water, right? Um, I was throwing the popper. I was getting a ton of bluegill, uh, just a ton of it. Um, ton Some of nice bluegill, too. Yeah. You know, it, big bluegill. But, pretty. Yeah, but yeah. The, it didn't look like any bass were, were rising. I do want to say that the river is absolutely gorgeous, or the excuse me, the, the creek is absolutely gorgeous. Not a river. Ernie told us anything under... Anything under 100 miles is not a, a river. Uh, it's a creek. You know, I think it's 88 miles. But it is it reminds me of the buffalo. It's almost like buffalo light. Um, it's. I agree with that. It's gorgeous. It's if it, it has these great um, river beds uh, or creek beds. It's got some great boulders. Great structure around it. Um, there's fish everywhere. If you if you float it before rain or when it hasn't rained, and I think we floated it pretty shallow at 10 and a half, and we, we didn't have to get out very much at all to drag our canoes no. or our kayaks. Um, but it, it was, you could see to the bottom, it was absolutely gorgeous. It's a great day. It was hot, but it was gorgeous. There's no houses or any structure on the stretch that we were on, except for the very end. Um it, I, which is which is also neat because most of it's private land, right? Yet it remains undeveloped, right? And I feel like it's kind of a it's kind of a secret um, that's about to be you know revealed of how special this is and how special this float is. I think people are going to you know it's almost like the kings it's almost all, it's almost like before the kings mm -hmm. exploded. Um, my parents have lived here all their life. They were not familiar with the Crooked Creek and I'm considering 
deleting this episode <laughs> so that <laughs> it's, it stays. It's it's one of those things, now, people. If you get out there on the res- the Crooked Creek, respect it. It's special. Uh, I think the fishing, even though we struggled maybe a little bit, I think the fishing is very special. Uh, for smallmouth bass, I think everyone the consensus is that it's very special for smallmouth. Well, bass. we caught we between the two of us, we probably caught between eight and nine smallmouth bass. Right. So it's not as if we were shut out. Um, I will say, I was on the Kings River maybe a month ago. Um, went with my son. We went from Trigger Gap to McMullen Farm, which is supposed to be one of the better fishing stretches. And, you know, keep in mind, this is during quarantine. So people are out, you know, they were sold out. We went on a Saturday, they were sold out. So I'm sure those fish are tired. But um, the fishing on Crooked Creek this weekend, you know, even though we kind of had hoped to do a little bit better, was superior than my experience on the Kings. Um, I would also say that at least the stretch that we did, Mark, Mark Oliver to Kelly Slab, compared to Trigger Gap to McMullen on the Kings uh, was considerably more, you know, aesthetic and beautiful uh, on Crooked Creek for what that's worth. So it's, you know, if you haven't been on Crooked Creek, put it on your to-do list. It's, it's very special. Absolutely. And I think just go out there, respect the river. Um, They've made it a, a water trail, which means that, they have a partnership with, you know, private landowners, you know, to, to not to develop it, to keep it, you know, natural. Um, go out there and enjoy it. It's a, it was a easy float. There's nothing that was hard about Oliver to Kelly Slab uh, that I remember. I don't think there was any points no. points in the creek that was difficult. Even at ten and a half, it was very. Right. I, I was. Very, it was very flowable, floatable. At I thought it was fine. I, I would do it again in a heartbeat at 10 and a half. And, you know, they say 12 is ideal, which it, I'm sure it is. Um, at, you know, 11 is the minimum and, and anything under 11, you know, be careful. And I, and I will say Mark Oliver to Kelly at 10 and a half was doable. I don't know if other stretches would be, but that was fine. It was a fine float. We didn't have to get out very much. The other thing I'll say is, the Fred Berry, we didn't get to go to the Fred Berry Center, but we did park there at the Kelly Slab takeout. And that area was very nice. Um, the trails looked really nice. We were, you know, we wanted to get on the water first, and then we ended up floating for like seven, <laughs> seven and a half hours. Yeah, we... So we were... Yeah. <laughs> we, we know how to stretch out a... Out a we could take something that takes three hours and we can stretch it out to seven hours. We just don't give up on a fishing hole. We're like, oh, we'll just keep on fishing a fishing hole until it's like <laughs> we're like an hour in on the same hole. You know, every uh, you know every corner is a new fishing hole. Right? Where <laughs> yeah, there's definitely going to be fish. So we, I'm pretty sure we tried them all. It's it's one of those things like Mark Oliver. The first mile of the fi- of the the float, we spent probably two hours on the first mile and like the rest of the five, like the rest of the five miles we spent, you, you know, like half the time we spent on the first mile. And I would say from my, from our experience, I would say fish the first part and fish the last part hard. And then the stuff in the middle, you know, there's some good fish in there too, but 
you know, if I were to do it over again, I'd, I'd spend as much time as we did on the first part, and then I'd probably spend a lot more time on those last few holes before you get to Kelly's yeah, lab. I think we ran in some people who the last mile and a half, it seemed to be the best fishing, um, the best holes was like the last mile and a half before you get to the Kelly slab was, uh, and it felt, it kind of felt that way too, but we just didn't have time because we had, we had, yeah, and know, my, you know, I look like a roasted duck already. Uh, my legs were, red. My, <laughs> I should send you a picture of my legs. It, it looks ridiculous. Like, uh, just the inside part of my legs are just completely red. It looks like, uh, almost like brown. They're so red. Uh, it's ridiculous. Um, but no, uh, you should definitely check out the Fredberry Center. We could see it where we parked. It didn't seem very far away. Uh, there loose, there seemed to be a, a little swimming hole at, uh, Kelly Slab also. Um, yeah. That's what I would, if I didn't have a kayak or a canoe and I didn't want to, you know, rent one, um, that's how I would spend my time. I would go to Kelly Slab, I'd swim, and I'd do some of the trails at the uh, Fred Berry Center. Uh, right, and I think in your interview they talked about walking down to um, probably one of the best fishing holes, which m- might be optional also. Um, yeah. They, I think she called it the point, which is the furthest probably from the from the center. Yeah. And it's right side. Of, I mean, the access, Kelly Slab access is, what, three, four minutes away from Yaleville? Uh, it's not far at all. Um, Yaleville, is, it was my first time in Yaleville, honestly. Um, it seemed to it be. a cool little town. Yeah. You know, had a nice little square. Um, yeah. Surrounding areas, you know, great. And, of course, you're real close to the White River, Norfolk. And uh, even not too far from the Buffalo to your south. So check it out. Absolutely. Check it out.